0: lovely people and welcome to another episode of quintessentially queer i am your host george Rallis, and today we have the honor to have with us the lovely and og glitter queen paulina hey girl hey
1: hi nice to hear you yes
0: babe so before we get into the interview with paulina Let's get a little bit into what it means to come from somewhere and have your past follow you, right? How do you go from one situation to another? How do you become the person you are right now, right? What is the verb of becoming? Is it to withdraw? Let's go, let's just go with that, right? What is it to withdraw to your origins? Aristotle believed that truth is a synonym to homeosis, right? Which is a kind of likening between things, which is encapsulated, basically, by the accordance of the soul's experience with that likening itself. In simple terms, it is the common sayings, like saying, apply what you preach, I'll only believe it if I see it with my own eyes, or simply, are those the facts? Girl, facts are facts at at the end of the day, no? However, what Heidegger brings about uh, through his research is a question of origin that will be applied on a multitude of meanings going beyond just heritage. Uh, now, regardless of whether actually people use it later on for like racist agendas, is a whole different situation, girl. So, uh, if you can believe something, right, only by seeing it, then cognitively, where was the thing before you saw it? Was it not true? Did it not exist? Heidegger claims that phenomenologically, the original meaning of truth functions as a way to take beings out of concealment, and in this way, letting them be seen in their own unconcealment. Let's take an example of an argument between friends, right? A is angry because B didn't invite them to lunch. B, however, had a presentation, a fight with their boyfriend, and to do the fucking laundry girl. A doesn't know that. When confronted, though, B did not understand how A can be so fucking mature and just irresponsible. A, on the other hand, believes that taking two minutes to make make like a voice recording is not too much to ask for. In both cases, the essential truths do not cancel one another. Because B does not understand the reason of A's anger, a.k.a. his narrative, their narrative, that does not make the sensation that A was feeling, a.k.a. their discourse, not valid, and vice versa, actually. Both subjects are caught within the discourse, yet they experience it as a narrative, which is simply basically extracting emotionally oneself from the reality of their situation, which is a thing that is easier than done. Consequently, they decided that it was pointless to act as though history were going to continue to move towards a common horizon, towards a world in which, you know, all humans could prosper equally, them included, and their origins. In this way... What is perpetuated and handed down is the only possibility being that of actual withdrawal. Withdrawing to a space where both A and B are right, and in this way bridging the gap between the alphabet. If this indeed is the new human condition of unfixed universality, then it became that way, not only by manipulation or narrative, but also by the human ability to withdraw between narrative and discourse, and thus, ultimately, be asked to withdraw from our own subjectivity. Now, this abstraction may be indeed a part of our existence as beings and the fight between A and B, and in this way, continuing historicity and origins. Yet, if that is applied on a different level, which is where glitter actually gets to us, becomes a whole different experience. However, let's leave the glitter for Paulina for now. What is created in this new world where both A and B coexist is a bipolar universality of absence and abstraction. I usually go for queer discourse, you know? Now, if we take our inclination to belong as a common sense, then what it is we want to belong to is simply a narrative which we are so emotionally invested in that we actually believe we have agency over and in this way shape accordingly. However, The question should not be, should we destroy the narrative or should we follow it? The question should be the questionability of that said narrative. If the key to the current narrative cannot be found, then maybe we can just create it, you know? Let's just queer it up. Once you crack open the field of historicity and of origins through a subjectively conscious lens, then it has to be sought in the form of the world to which those very terms are actually applied. And then create it in the way that you think is possible. You know, or even if you want, it doesn't even have to be possible, girl. As Latour claims, the problem is that there is a multiplicity of narratives, basically, uh, in the world in general. And in territories, whatever you want to call it, that are mutually incompatible. Everyone wants their own truth to be the truth, you know what I mean? All in all, though, what had to be abandoned in order for globalization to become a thing was actually the local and I guess, in retrospect, subjectivity. In the case of Polina, though, the arbitrary nature of both is actually what fuels her art and answers to the social questions that are posited around her. So, before we actually go into our interview with Polina, let's go into "Ah" uh, by Fujia and Miyagi. <sighs>
1: Okay, I thought that space and time went back and forth and sideways. I'm putting it fast all over the place. I guess it knocked me sideways. Oh, she made
0: So, that was uh, by Fuji and Miyagi. Hey, girl. Hey. Hi. How are you? Wait, actually, I didn't give you a proper quintessentially queer introduction. Let me trace it back a little bit. Today, we have with us the lovely... The lovely Polina Korobova from Singapore, actually, guys. Online. She's online. Hey, babes.
1: Hi. How are you? I'm great. It's always a
0: fucking
2: pleasure.
0: (laughs) That was an intro, wasn't it, huh? Yes.
2: Do
0: you know that actually I got that sound effect from a fucking meme? Um, of like a dinosaur in Jurassic Park where they're kind of like climbing up the mountain and they go to the top and they're like, yes. And I'm like, I identify with that so much. It resonates so so deeply within me. How are you, baby? How are you holding up? You're in Singapore. Uh, Is the lockdown there over or not yet?
2: No, um, we have been basically like dealing with the whole situation for a while. Uh I think Singapore was one of the third... Third country that was hit with the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, was pretty prepared though because they had SARS before, so um,
1: yeah.
2: everybody kind of freaked out, but at the same time, everybody was really, really cautious from the beginning. We still don't call it lockdown, by the way. Really? We don't have it, it's called circuit breaker. What is circuit um, breaker? Yeah, oh wow, that's so a way to
0: diffuse the situation. Only
2: until a lot two weeks ago, we were allowed to meet friends again. So it's really like, it's super strict. Like you will get fucked. Like you will literally uh, like find. So two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were allowed to go out and eat. We're allowed to see up to five people and have guests over. But (laughs) however, for three months since end of April, we've been in total, total lockdown. Nobody went outside of the house. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah.
0: Damn bitch. (laughs) I mean, Singapore, don't joke around. There's like a, I mean, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to sound stupid, but, like, is there, like, a death penalty for weed?
2: Um, so, basically, it's kind of, like, a controversial thing in the okay. sense that, like, um, nobody really knows what you can get a death penalty for. So, there's three, <laughs> like, you can get death penalty for. One is um, either drug abuse or selling of drugs or, like, um, what else? Um. So, yeah, yeah, basically those two, rape or murder. Oh, um, shit, so bitch. those things will get you probably in trouble. Uh, but they say that this used to be like an old thing, that they used to scare people and they kind of got in people's heads so that, like, you can't do drugs, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, it depends, like, for example, if you get caught with, like, selling, like, I don't know, fucking uh, 10 kgs of meth, most probably you will either... <laughs> Most probably you will be dead. If you get caught with like little amounts of weed, most probably you will either get jail time. Um, oh, shit. So, I mean, I know people that got eight months for half oh, a gram.
0: Oh, oh my God, girl. Uh, yeah.
2: So, it's, it, it's still, but you won't get death penalty most probably.
0: <laughs> shit. Damn, yeah
2: but it, yeah it's
0: really strict <laughs> oh but beyond that like how have you been creatively how did the lockdown affect you i'm asking everyone this question because i'm just really curious and kind of like people's i don't know personal um you know way of dealing with this shit you know how have yeah. you been have you been creating i've seen your instagram um, always on fire but you know
2: yeah i think i think I was a conscious decision like when it all started and there was kind of no end to it i basically made myself a promise because i can't like i'm one of those people if i don't have a deadline and i'm like if i don't challenge myself and i don't set like a set goal it's not gonna happen mm-hmm. so i set this goal for myself um to create a piece of art whatever it is makeup uh artwork poster fucking text every day and post it on instagram every day until the lockdown is done and Except the weekends to give myself a break. And I was going very consistently, and it was really stressful. It's fucking annoying because the standard is always like, I always want to talk whatever I fucking did before. Mm -hmm. And it was all going well until everything that started happening in the US. And I had to kind of like turn everything around and educate my white ass about what the fuck (laughs) is happening. Yeah. Um, Yeah and like i mean it just didn't feel right to post uh yeah. it didn't feel like right to post about my fucking makeup and mm-hmm. things that like i'm kind of supposedly making people feel happy about because exactly. that would yep. I, I should not steal attention i should not yeah and i was like I, I i was like i can't i can't and uh i had like um a little thing with a brand Mm-hmm. I told them, I'm, I'm not going to post anything until it feels right. And I advise you to as well. Um, so I yes. took kind of a break after that happened. And then there was some other like political thing that was happening. And I was dealing with in Russian um, art scene. And then I was basically like, I like all of it kind of crashed on me together. And then I was like, I kind of don't think that I can make happy art again. I was going like on a high of like happy art for a few years. Yeah. And now it's all, I can't. I can't do it anymore I need to I need to talk about shit yeah, So now yeah. I'm like in place. I'm, I got productive This weekend again Because I was like I can't I just need to Like get out of it And like Push through Because it's just Really fucking difficult To motivate yourself I have like an exhibition uh, Coming up mm-hmm. uh, My first like DJing uh,
0: Oh Get it Nice And
2: I Canceled And I was like Okay that's it Done Like I'm very like you know like up there or I'm like like
1: yeah
2: and So it's difficult trying to
0: find balance. I mean, girl, as long as you made the connection, kind of like there was the willingness there and kind of like this creative bridge between like Booker or Gallery, whatever you want to call it, and you, then I think that that's kind of like going to follow through later on. I was quite disappointed as well, actually, because I had a couple of international bookings that I was really excited for, but then they all got cancelled. But I mean, there is a pandemic going on, so (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah, but before going into like Russian discourse, right? Because I do want to ask you about that. What did you study and where primarily? So people get to know you a little bit better. You did fine arts
2: Yes, so I have like a really weird story with like education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never really been a good student. I've never been. <laughs> I've never
0: been <laughs> You've been hardworking, <laughs> bitch. Though ever I've known you for I've known this bitch for a while. So like <laughs> I kind of I always remember you being hardworking. So even now telling me I'm doing all this shit and like producing art every day, like I'm not surprised. I'm like, yup. What's new, bitch?
2: I think honestly, I think it all comes from like. We have, like, this weird Russian, like, I feel like it comes from being Russian. One is because we all always feel like something is going to get taken away from us. Mm. Like, always, at all times, we're raised to be like, hold your shit. Fuck. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, don't trust anybody. Hold your shit. Like, that's our thing. So I feel like that is one thing that makes you, like, work hard. And another thing is that when you're not good, uh, like, in school, when you're not good academically, mm-hmm. let's say, Otherwise, you have to be creative, and I always knew that like it's either marks that give you kind of sort of freedom in Mm -hmm. a sense, or there's something else that you're so passionate about that it's gonna shut everybody up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm super fucking lucky that my parents are amazing, young, and like I mean, they also I mean, just as a perspective, I was the first English speaking child. I was the first child to get education overseas.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, all of these things, it was all new. And for them to allow me to move to Singapore at 16 years old mm-hmm. and allow me to go and study fine arts and, like, quit school. I mean, honestly, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so, like, they're pretty amazing in that sense. Um, and I came to Singapore in 2009, I believe. No, 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 no. That was Cyprus. I came to Singapore 2012 or 13, and I got enrolled into a college of uh, creative creative shit mm-hmm. here and I <laughs> <laughs> so I go into um, diploma first uh, I did diploma in fine arts majoring in painting and then um, I had good marks and basically was like doing quite well so they flipped me into the BA instead of three years I did two so I did BA in fine arts and I graduated two years ago two and a half years ago I believe And since then, I've
0: been fucking here. Girl, you've been fucking killing it. I mean, we've all known that you're the one that's going to make it. You know what I mean? (laughs) A bitch. I mean, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? You were always like super fucking talented. And that kind of like talent was translating on a lot of things. Not just kind of like. I mean, you can it with the way you cut yourself primarily, you know what I'm saying? But then like, it's not just painting, it's also sculpting, it's also like fashion, it's also makeup, it's like now DJing, like, you know what I mean? There's so many shit that you're doing, which is amazing, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, bitch, what the fuck? And like, re- just remember, just remember, like, 16 year old us doing photo shoots, like, by the fucking seafront in Lima, so drunk Honestly, and wine, you know what I mean? Still,
2: still, still fucking good photos. Like, you go back. Bitch, fuck it's yes. Nothing, it's nothing you would be embarrassed of. Do you realize? I mean, like-
0: no.
1: Pussy.
0: Fuck no. They wish they got this fucking jazz. You know what I'm saying? Even when we were 16 with our fucking mom's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> So, how was it like growing up in Cyprus for you? I mean, your Russian heritage, um, beyond the fact that it actually inspired your art, um, also came in into play with your surroundings, I presume, in Cyprus. You know what I mean? So, what what was, the, what was that like?
2: Well, I, I think I was generally really, really confused when I first came to Cyprus. I mean, my dad did not tell us we were moving. We basically went to Cyprus for, like, as any other Russian family does, to mm-hmm. fucking... Uh, spend time, chill in the sun like eat good food and then my mom basically, we went there because my mom was giving birth um, to my baby sister and we were like okay, like she's going to give birth all oh, fucking great, we'll go back and um, it was like end of July or something, she was born little fucking shit, little thing <laughs> and Then and then my dad, I remember like it was yesterday we're sitting and then my dad looked at us and he was like I think we're staying and I was like what? and then I was in musical theater back then, and I remember I was so fucking dramatic. I remember I, 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 lived, I was like, but what about my career? My dad was like, you live in a village of three houses. 300,000 people, what fucking career are you talking about, stupid shit? And he was like, you're staying, and I was like, wait, like, where am I going? And he's like, I enrolled you in school across the street, it was American Academy, I was like, what? Right. Um, and then a month later, maybe like, whatever, we went to school, me and my brother went to school. I remember my first class was like fucking literature and we were reading Macbeth oh. and I was like, wait, what? And I, I, the only thing I knew back then in Russian was my name is, and they gave me fucking Macbeth. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Lord. Like what's going on? I mean, it was shocked to the system completely, but like, I remember me and my brother would like, take our fucking backpacks and walk home and like, <laughs> around the table and translate our science books together. It was fucking insane. Um, and I've been kind of like, I think, again, I don't know how, but my parents made me quite clear on the idea that you need to intre- like integrate in every, like, wherever you go, you need to be the part of the community. And, I mean, in Cyprus, right, there's such a big Russian population. It's very easy to lose control. It's very easy, like, I mean, I had a group of uh, people that joined together with me I know them still They still don't speak English Because yeah. they like Hanging around in the same crowd And when I came I saw Nieta Yeah And I was like Our common friend And I was like Okay bitch Like We're gonna go and figure it out mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I sat next to her I did not know anything And I was like Honestly I'm just gonna fucking figure it out And she helped me With my English She helped you with my oh, grief, Queen With my artwork And um, Yeah And and I, I kind of, actually, I was hiding the fact, I got ashamed of the fact that I was Russian for very, very, very long. Mm-hmm. Um, because in Cyprus, we already have that kind of like, you Stigma. know, like, yeah. come with money, like, they do what they want, you know, and it really made me always really embarrassed. And when there were talks about politics and that, like, everybody that kind of ended up in Cyprus obviously had some kind of past that didn't work out with Russia and it just, it all, like, made me kind of angry, and I i was never, yeah, I was never really embracing it. And when I came to Singapore, I remember, because in Singapore, nobody really cares where you're from. You're just white or not white. <laughs> <laughs> and I think when I came, it was still not very common that there were international students mm-hmm. that were off like, from European countries, and nobody really cared where I was from. So I would just say I was from Cyprus for the longest time. And I think maybe... Until only three years ago, I started um, owning up to the fact that I was Russian.
0: Okay, work.
2: Yeah. 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 And it was- education actually
0: yeah that's the thing like um you can see it even in your art there is kind of like element of becoming always and especially with the portraits it's not portraits like the the photographs that you have of your family like the really old ones that you did like the mixed media interventions on them like oh those are like my favorite but like before we go we get into a little bit more specific why art how did you how did you end up with the medium you're using now because i mean it's your medium i guess would be glitter primarily you are the glitter queen um so how did you end up with that i always remember your um i hate the word aesthetic i hate the word aesthetic but it's i everywhere. always remember like your aesthetic being this kind of like loud and like an apologetically colorful and like just fun you know what i mean uh but yeah. also kind of like super refined so how did that end up in glitter <laughs>
2: Oh God, I don't know actually how, I mean, I know kind of, I know how to trace it and stuff. And I think it was like when I was, um, when I was already in Singapore and I was studying and it kind of, I went through like really weird phases. I came Mm -hmm. and I I felt like I was too, I was on a different level with people because, um, you join and you basically have this foundation level when you're surrounded by people who are still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And somebody who already came from kind of like a really, really, really long past of, Um, traditional art schools in Russia and Cyprus and exhibitions and curating, I was kind of like underwhelmed. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, Then when I came to fine arts, I had to learn oil, I had to learn like a lot of shit that I was not comfortable with. So it kind of like all fucking mixed up. And then when they finally left this alone, maybe like second year of school and Mm -hmm. they kind of let us do whatever we want I was like spending my all my money on like fun stuff and because I guess in Cyprus actually we don't have many art shops
0: girl we have like two
2: around I don't know when like you know what I mean and like art shops were so fucking expensive and so limited and same with Russia like where I come from we had one cinema <laughs> like there was like you couldn't get this stuff and then I was like in Singapore it's like mm-hmm. Russia's the, I mean it's, like Asia's New York right and it's like you have everything and I went to those art stores and I just couldn't stop buying all the blink stuff and everything that I basically <laughs> did not have chance to play with when I was younger yeah and um oh, nice. yeah and I was like I remember I I bought like shit ton of glitter. Cause I was like, yeah, why not? Like, you know what I mean? Like fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt right. It literally just felt right. And I got all different colors. And then, um, I, I was sitting there and I, I found this, I don't know where I found this like, uh, old map mm-hmm. and it was really beautiful mounted on the wood. Um, I found it somewhere in a parking lot in Singapore, dragged it to school. And it was so old that like Russia was still USSR. Mm hmm. And um, I, I brought it to my studio, and I had a pile of glitter for some reason, and I had that map, and I was looking at it, and I was like, "What should I do?" And this um, this teacher of mine that kind of became like one of the mentors at some point, he was like, "Why you just put those two things together?"
1: Nice. And I was like,
2: "Okay." So I just took that like shiny, shiny glitter, and I covered the whole USSR with it, yeah. and I just left it, and it weirdly felt really 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 right and since then i kind of started exploring it and feeding that thing because it, it just became a funny addiction because people started like associating me with it mm-hmm. because it's material that people usually stay away from or because of like how sticky it is how yeah. it gets everywhere um and it kind of like became a joke is that wherever i come the glitter will stay behind and i was like okay work
1: like fun. and then
0: Actually, like, uh, everyone that I date, uh, I always give them the disclaimer, that, like, yo, if you actually make the commitment to date me, you should be okay with the fact that you will have glitter at your house at any given time. So, girl, yes. it comes with the territory, you know what I mean? 100%. It's,
2: it's super fun. I mean, people fucking hate it, but I, I found it so fascinating for the longest time. I don't understand <laughs> why
0: people hate it. Like, it's glitter. It's beautiful. And it's like, oh, you have glitter. And you. am like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's the point. Nice, but um, you know, it's like this Russian background, right? Uh, that you have the um, what resonates with me a lot, and I think that kind of like we share the same, uh, you know, is that I am one of those people that actually do believe in this kind of like um blurring of origin, let's say, and kind of like using this origin story to manifest a different reality at the moment. Like, I grew up basically. I mean, you know Cypress Girls, super homophobic, you know what I mean? With not that much external stimuli. So to me, I also kind of like had to um, create my own um, entertainment cultivation, I guess, or knowledge that was a bit more international. So that's when I discovered fucking Shakira when she came out of the fucking ocean and whenever, wherever. (gasps) I was so sexually confused. I'm like, I don't know if I want her or I want to be her. So I ended up being her in the end. But then, like, when I started performing, I'm like, bitch, now it's my time to be Shakira, you know? Which, actually, like, the thing that I do is that I always start with a specific stimuli, then create uh, the entertainment around it and do the more visual impact of what people will see. Because, I mean, if you're performing at a fucking club, then people should be entertained first. And then kind of, like, think about the idea that I had as the primary thing that might be political or a bit more serious but i don't really look at it as such you know what i mean um yeah. so it's a way of kind of like i don't take myself seriously but i take what i do very seriously you know what i'm saying and that's what resonates with me at least in your work as well is that kind of like you see this kind of like i wouldn't call them grave but i mean like old pictures you know what i mean of like a family but then you see these like fucking intervention of glitter or even like your performances with glitter you, it's, it, it, I, don't, I wouldn't call it scary, I would just call it weird, you know what I mean? Just seeing, like, a girl there, like, emotionless, covered in glitter, just taking over a space, it's a bit eerie, you know? And I think that's a very cool, like, way to treat um, this becoming, and this kind of, like, origin, and, like, blurring the, the points of, kind of, like, where you came from, and where you're going, to this kind of, like, energy, and this bubble of, just intervening on something that is already within you, but you're just kind of like manifesting in a different reality, you know. So that's why I, that's why I, I find like very fascinating with your work. Uh, what are some of your inspirations in terms of like maybe artists, movies? I, I don't know where you, you know.
2: Brittany, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god, I don't know. Like, oh fuck. Like, honestly, I've been pretty straightforward in the sense of like my my inspirations mm-hmm. I I'm I'm a really I, I actually found it really hard to call myself an artist for the longest time and I still actually don't come around calling myself as an artist
1: mm-hmm.
2: I, I don't know why but I feel like I'm not fully formed yet to call myself an artist and I think it's just just a certain boundaries that I created for myself that I'm like no I'm not an artist um, but I also didn't fully feel accepted because I just rejected the way everybody kind of thought in art school because how it works for me let's say i see i it's not a really good way to work and i'm trying to relearn it but i work based on a goal so let's say somebody says hey we want to do exhibition with you the theme is blue and instantly in 10 seconds i have boom 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 four artworks in my mind in my head and then i work backwards this is usually not how people work. Yeah, yeah. they get a thing, and get a blue, and then they're like, "What it means to me? What is it?" You know, and that's fine. But that 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 way of thinking kind of was felt really unorthodox in an art school. Everybody was kind of like, mm, "This is weird." Like, but I'm I'm a very I'm in the end of the day I'm just a very visual person, and everything in the end kind of makes sense. It's added up, and I think my inspirations are kind of half like visual, half. What the fuck is going on? So for my, like a lot of my projects that I was dealing with back in um, just the beginning of my bachelors, um, when I was started kind of restarted feeling Russian again and I was like educating myself the <laughs> my art there. Um, I basically very late, very late, I found out about what happened to Pussy Riot and I was like, This is fucked up. <laughs> um and it shocked me to such core and this was the first time when I felt like fuck like um, this is really stressful that I'm not a part of it. I'm not, a, like, I, I felt when, all, like, all of those things were happening in the government, I felt like, for the first time, I felt like, if I was there, I would march.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was such a weird feeling after somebody who, like, hides being Russian for so many years. of that like, <gasps> like, it was coming out of me. And um, when I found out I had so much anger and it was a lot of, like, anger-driven art of, like, trying to talk through them. They were just getting into, like, they just got into jail mm-hmm. and I went home and I was um I had my um I had I wore balaclava myself all over Singapore I, I had photo shoot I was like taking uh, photos of myself throwing Molotov bottle fucking not good shit to do here oh. and um I made a Molotov bottle with glitter inside I saw and I saw
1: <laughs> <laughs> I took
2: photos and I kind of like um did washes and painting and I took them in a folder and I went back home and I was like, okay, I'm 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 I need to go home. I need to figure it out. I need to work on it while I'm I'm at home because I'm late. And I remember my dad coming in, seeing me work on it and having such pure shock and disappointment and fear on his face. Mm-hmm. And I understood that it's not anything that I can blame him for because we're just fucking raised this way. Not to raise yeah. our voice. Not to not to be able to we're just, like, he was legit, like, this could, could get us in trouble.
1: Yep. And yep,
2: I am yep. like, I'm in fucking Singapore. Like, I'm so far away. He's like, this can still get us in trouble. And in a most fucked up way, this made me go, like, I want to explore this more. Yes, bitch. This fear in my father's eyes, this fear in me, seeing his fucking eyes. I was mm. like, I want to explore this further. And that's how it got me onto the space. And then I was kind of, like, discovering this whole, like, Russian feminist movement, blah, 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 blah. And then, strangely, while everybody in school got hyped up and was like, yeah, fuck, yeah, like, start a movement, <laughs> I started talking to my grandparents a lot.
1: Yeah.
2: And I my, I found out that my granddad is a fucking historian that's been hiding all these archives. And... The angry art became came out into appreciation of culture through using my family photographs and in I graduated with a project about flowers <laughs> um, it was about about gifting flowers in Russia and why I disagreed with it and why everybody in my fucking family had a different so I interviewed um, I interviewed myself mm-hmm. my mom and my grandma and also the males in the, in the in the family about why they give flowers why is it important why is this so fucking weird um, and yeah I graduated with a kind project and everybody was like what the hell like where is the drama and I was like that's all you get <laughs> <laughs>
0: actually uh, you know what i just remembered that i actually i have your first sketch no like the one wait i don't know if it's your first one but one you did when you were like 16 uh you remember the one you gave me with the mushroom yes yes i have i have that in my room actually um but no girl like flowers is like a very subtle way to kind of like intervene on that and like it's super nice this juxtaposition actually of politics and kind of like aestheticism you know what i mean that's exactly how I, well, mm, well, yeah, no, not anymore actually. But that's how I kind of like started to, I guess, performing a little bit where it was kind of like, it's what I told you, like primarily it's like, okay, if you just want to be entertained, then be entertained. If you want to get into the politics of it and be a little bit more serious about your reception of my performance, then please do that. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to force you to do either one. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like it is what it is. And then, like, you know, you just kind of, like, let people decide uh, on their own in what they want to do,
1: you know?
2: A A lot of people see that as very selfish. The fact that you're not leading people through their experience um, often is seen quite selfish. Because if you're not direct, let's say for people who are outsiders, Mm -hmm. um, I used to name my artworks in Russian because I just never bothered. I never thought that naming an artwork is really important. But in school, in school system, like having a name, a title, whatever material is really, really important. I was like, I'm not going fucking call in Russian. Nobody understands. Um, <laughs> it is it it seems selfish. And I mean, I took that as a comment, and I was like, okay, I will reflect back on it, and I will see what I want to do with it. But if you're not, if you're working with kind of an audience that is not necessarily involved in to your circle, you mm-hmm. can be seen as somebody very ignorant and selfish because mm-hmm. you're like, I welcome you into my world.
0: Well, and you're making- yeah. I actually ha- I was having this conversation yesterday with some friends. And, like, I mean, girl, so you've known me since, like, what, 16? So you know how loud I am and you know how opinionated I am and self-assured, which is, like, a lot. So especially in terms of, like, politics, not governmental per se, but kind of, like, more social politics. Kind of, like, I take this shit, like, very fucking seriously. And I'm very unapologetic yeah. about what I believe. So here in the Netherlands is, like, it's so different and so not what i'm used to because like in cyprus it's like super normal to be so hyped up and like burn your bra in the middle of like a square and just be super political you what i'm saying and and here like it's not so like um i don't know not aggressive i don't want to say aggressive just lack of a better vocabulary right now but so like animated like the political Yeah, yeah, yeah. not so much in your face, like, uh, the political opinions. And I am so not about that life, to be honest, at all. But it got me into a lot of thinking that kind of, like, okay, they've had pride year for, like, how many years? You get what I'm saying? So then, obviously, if, like, a situation is normalized and is accepted to a great extent, then you're missing this kind of, like, fuego of pushing, 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 pushing. You know what I mean? Which, on the one hand, is a great privilege. Because here, like, I always say that I have a PhD in gay... So, here, like, the problems that I have to solve are, like, oh, how do we queer a space or how is queer substantiality part of the party scene or la la la, la. you know what I'm saying? Well, in Cyprus, it's like I have the PhD and have to, like, persuade people why one plus one equals two and why gay is okay, you know? Uh, but either way, actually, I'm never really going to, like, I never really step back. Because at the end of the day, whether you want to call it selfish or not, what I will talk about is myself, because I'm no authority to, to talk about anyone else. You know, the only experience I can share is my own. I'm not going to sit here and talk about, like, I'm not the representative, neither of Cypriots, nor of gays, nor of, like, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? So, whether you want to call it selfish or not, like, bitch, it's your fucking narrative, and then by sharing it, you add to a discourse, and if other people can actually learn from that discourse through your narrative, then so be it, if they don't, then, okay, take a seat and wait for me to give a fuck, babe, that type of thing. So, before we continue on, let's go into another song, let's go into Anti-Taxi by La Femme. you yeah. So, that was anti-taxi Bella fan. So girl, um I don't know. okay, basically, right? Uh, what I notice a lot in your work is that there is uh, this um maybe lack of a better word, but kind of like conscious immaturity or more kind of like mature playfulness, you know what I mean with the way you deal with things that I mean me knowing you personally comes as no surprise. Yeah. Uh, countless fucking nights we were drunk in Guaba, acting like fucking like animals. You know what I mean?
1: Ooh.
0: Hello. A
2: Repeat the question, babe.
0: Yeah. So there is this like conscious like immaturity, or not like not immaturity, but this kind of like mature playfulness. You know what I mean? Uh, within your yeah. work, and actually, me knowing you personally comes as no surprise. Uh countless fucking nights being drunk in guava living our best life being 16 like eh, you know what i mean so it's, it goes back to what i told you before that um not taking yourself seriously but taking what you do very seriously can you tell me a little bit more about that is it like a conscious thing um because i mean you could have like shared the same um messages i guess with using different colors, for example, but your primary color, at least in my understanding, is pink, right? The, when I think of Paulina, I think of pink. I think of kind of like um, light blue or like fluorescent. I don't know, like yellow or something like that. Is that a conscious choice? How did you How did you come to that point? Because uh, there is this kind of like progress with within your work. I think now it's a bit more refined, I get not refined, but kind of like when you were younger and doing the sculpting, it was a bit more of like an acid experience. You know what I mean? So it was like a lot of things intertwined into one. Well, now I feel it's kind of like a little bit more refined, a little bit more just kind of like, bam, this is it, but it's still playful. How, how did you come up to that? Is there like, um, a specific level that you say your playfulness hides within it, like a feminist power? Is it like, how did you come up to that? Basically? Yeah.
2: That's such a difficult question. Sorry, guys. Um, Doing my best. (laughs) I'm honestly really, 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 really fucking fluid when it comes to making stuff. Um, I've been, again... Like recently I was invited to do an exhibition. I have been feeling really guilty because I couldn't start. And I have, I realized that after art school, I was like feeling really, really stuck because in art school, they give you a theme, they give you an end goal. And then you work towards it. When you have an exhibition or a solo exhibition, you don't really know who you're working for unless like, I mean, you're just doing it for yourself. And actually after being like two, two years, three years into events and creating experiences for people as the back, not the star, let's say, but creating experiences for audience, you start looking at things very differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me, it was kind of always a strategic thing. Like, I was always like, okay, I am, like, the glitter thing is working, how do I turn it around to show it to more people? How do I turn it in such way that um, I will get more audience? How will I turn it that I will get more projects? Um, And it actually always worked. Um, And I think what is making me look more refined is the fact that I just know what works. It's I'm st- I'm trying to step away from it because I always go back to this nature of mine where I'm like, I'm 12 years old and I can't stop drawing. I'm fucking up my eyes every night because I just can't stop. Where where did it go? And that's why I think that was the. Mo- I'm very honest about it, and I want more people to be honest honest about that. I've never. I've never really said that I want to be an artist. And I I always was very honest with myself saying, if I don't want to spend every day of my life sacrificing myself, willing to be without money, let's say, or without, I'm still, you see, I'm a very comfortable person. I want mm-hmm. to have my financial dependence. I want to have a kind of routine. I don't think that speaks. I want to dedicate myself to making art every day. Mm-hmm. So when I told myself and I, like, said, like, I don't have to pretend to be this artsy person in a sense, yeah. like, really immersed. I'm, I'm also someone else. I also run events, and the moment I started being honest with myself, I realized that it's okay to be strategic, it's okay to make things if, let's say, it feels good for social media, and I think that's kind of, it kind of went that direction, but now I'm trying to, to take a step back, yeah. and things because I want to do them, like yep. therapy, and um, I like was basically having a hard time thinking like, okay, I've been to the Russian feminism, I've been to Russian like ideologies, I've been to like Singapore politics, I've been to this, this and that. Now that I really don't have any sorts of like inspiration in the sense of like, I want to talk about it, I want to scream about it, I will use it as therapy because I have a full-time job and it's actually quite stressful. Um, what will keep my mind off it? And when I finally shut the fuck up, and I met people for an exhibition, and they said, what is your um, inspiration? What are you talking about? And I said, I, am a, I have a full-time job at a very stressful agency, and this is my therapy. And, I, and they were like, okay, what do you want people to feel when they look at your work? I said, I just want them to feel happy. I just want them to feel good. And the moment I started embracing that really, really basic belief, I want people to feel happy, I want people to feel good and smile, mm-hmm. it started working. Because I I, I just, I guess I just stopped lying to myself that like it always has to have some kind of purpose. And the moment I s- stopped convincing myself that it has to be... If I'm not this kind of person, I'm not this kind of person. And um, now, kind of like through... Through other sources of like, I don't know, I try not to push it. And then, like, this, a lot of stuff was happening in Russia, in politics, with creatives. And I had this opportunity to shoot some stuff. And then I was like, okay, um, talk about migrant workers in Singapore. And like, I started, and then I was like, kind of like really, really anxious about my social media because I was really serious about it. But I was like, "Mm." And um, I also decided to treat my Instagram like my portfolio. And then the moment I started doing that, um, I kind of chilled a little bit. Yeah. I lost my job. What are we talking about?
0: <laughs> no, it's this kind of like playfulness, basically. That's a little bit more refined now. You know what I mean? Because um, to me, like, I couldn't agree more to be quite honest. I was so not an Instagram bitch when I was in Cyprus. Like, you, I was a Tumblr bitch, like diehard. You know what I'm saying? Uh, or even like, oh my God, remember Behance when that was like a thing, <laughs> you know? Anyway, yeah. um, but then kind of like when I came here, I actually had to make myself like these things. And yeah. the, actually, there's like a mm-hmm. lot of power in actually being conscious about your choices and kind of like the way you play around with this kind of like visual image that you push across. And not just through Instagram, even through your art, you get what I'm saying? Because um, this is like inherently kind of like powerful because it's that like very cliche saying of like it's a radical act to be free in this society or shit like that you know what i'm saying but it really is because there's so many people that actually try to like really push this agenda of like i am like so contemporary i'm like so artsy art you know what i mean and i'm like girl if you have to force something on it's probably not of art you know so it's like as long as you're honest to yourself then you give that kind of like voice to other people too to resonate within them you yeah, know, it's like a sneak tuck.
1: yeah
2: i mean it's it's honestly again going back to that question why is like a mature playfulness is because actually i'm very serious in my like yeah. everyday life i'm very serious with work i'm very serious with relationships i'm very serious i'm, I'm too serious when it comes to like work ethic and mm-hmm. it's heavy and it's just frustrating that i have to be so like it's really weird but i have to be so determined and i feel like i have to be the best since i'm very young and it's just, just too painful and that's like my outlet of being like actually like i want to play around yep. and this we just it just literally comes out in glitters and pom-poms and like pink things because it's the opposite of how i feel inside sometimes
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and that also became like a part of the game of like when i had my first solo exhibition in singapore and i was still like very much only wearing black like all we all been there I for the longest time and I was, and I had my own exhibition and and this girl came up to me and she was like, Oh, do you know where the artist is? And I was like, hi. And she like looked at me up and down and she was like, you can't be the artist. And I was like, Oh, why not? And she was like, Oh, you're not wearing all colors and stuff. And that got me really curious. I was like, okay, do, do everybody expect me to look like Yayoko Kusama? Because like, I, (laughs) and only like really through colorful fl- friends like you and like my queer community here, I started mm-hmm. wearing colorful clothes. Like it's not it's not new for it's quite new for me. So I think it's like a it's like a I don't know. It's just it's like a I'm I'm trying to be a child mm-hmm. because I kind of feel like sometimes I've been stripped away from.
0: Yeah, the the, the weird thing and is that I actually. I can totally see you like Yayoi Kusama, to be honest. <laughs> like, hands down, girl. But I give you, like, maybe another, like, 15 to 20 years before you go fully mental. You know what I mean? Just cover everything in glitter, the whole rooms. Which you did, actually, right? You did this, this shooting for a music video, was it? I don't know.
2: Wow. <laughs> I you know my, the
0: whole pink room. I don't. I don't remember what that
3: was.
2: No, I have a really. I mean, I met some amazing people here, and I mean, Singapore is quite small. Mm-hmm. And the status of celebrities, like you can be with a celebrity. Let's say you can be friends, and you can mm-hmm. meet during events. And I met three really, really good friends um, in the creative scene. And one, uh, one of those people was Narelle, and she was from a very popular um, band before, and they broke up and they had, like, their own paths, and she basically gathered people together, and she was like, hey, do you mind coming in and doing some props? And I was like, okay, sure. And then I ended up being the art director of the fucking shoot. Nice. Um, so, like, a week before, or, to, like, a month before, she was like, can you build a whole pink room? And I was like,
3: I mean... I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'll> Do it!
2: <laughs> so, it's kind of like, it's kind of through people that, like, are allowing me to be, like, super free, I yeah. got into some amazing projects.
0: T- tell me a little bit about that. Do you have anything planned now? Uh, <laughs> any big projects that you did before Corona or any upcoming ones yeah, that yeah. you'd like to share with us? Oh,
2: my God. So, I was supposed to have an exhibition. Uh, it was, like, a whole fucking mess. Um, I was kind of coming back with to the art scene and I wanted to do it on my own terms. I had a really, really amazing project uh, last year yeah. when I got injured and then I but anyway uh i built this amazing neon house um and i did um it was an acrylic pink home it was a doll house oh,
1: wow! Um,
2: and then i had performances i was like it was a kind of a residency situation mm-hmm. and i was basically using that into um doing an exhibition and doing a solo exhibition mm-hmm. um i had an amazing group of um guys to do a group show with and then the virus happened um I was in a really, really good high of creating artworks. Um, And then the last month it has stopped because I've just been too fucking exhausted with work. And now I'm feeling like, I think this weekend is like really great, really inspiring. Like it just like feels good again to make stuff. I'm going to be making stuff for myself. Um, Again, I'm not trying to be pushy when it comes to my art career. I'm just taking it. Like honestly, all my... Surprisingly, everything that I show online when it comes to my art stuff mm-hmm. is not something that I actually been like getting there, getting there and getting it myself. It's a very organic process, nice. um, which is surprising. Knowing me, I'm like, hey, any opportunity, I'll stick myself into it. Yeah. But that's like my business side of things. That's my my professional side of things. For my art things, it's like I'm trying to take it slow. I'm trying to, you know, see what works Mm -hmm. so right now i don't have anything planned that show i'm not sure what's going to happen to it singapore i'm not sure when anything's going to open up um i'm working on some personal projects and trying to move towards making my own business in singapore um and then art is always going to be a part of it because i put a fucking work table in my living room so Mm -hmm. i kind of sleep there. (laughs)
0: What do you do now? I remember you were organizing events, right? You were working for a boss? No.
2: I work for... This is such a fucking weird story. I was actually... Again, like I met my boss Mm -hmm. through performance. um, Through my performances. Um, She's a really cool lady. Um, She ran a club in Singapore, one of the most iconic clubs for 20 years. Um, And she started her own events agency. Events Mm -hmm. and programming and advocacy. Um, And I mean... Last two years of school, I decided, like, I don't want to be a full-time artist. It's not for me. I want to do events. I want to create experiences. So I started getting my own gigs. I started organizing my own events, everything. Um, And actually, they hit me up to perform for one of their festivals. Um, It didn't happen. And then we met again. And she was like, oh, what are you up to? And I was like, well, I'm looking for a job. Um, And very strange. I was flying to Moscow with Singapore Tourism Board Mm -hmm. to make Singapore Festival in Moscow. And she called me and she said, do you want to try for my job? For my company? And I was like, I don't know anything! Um, And I've been there for one year and ten months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm a full-time producer. We call ourselves producers. Uh, We are an experiential marketing events agency Mm -hmm. that also does advocacy and we call it programming Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a combination of like the client comes to us so i told you like about um um hugo um so they came to us and they say like okay we're hugo boss everybody knows us for our suits Mm -hmm. uh we have a young brand, hugo we want to be cool in asia help us with three events that are thrown throughout the year uh starting with the launch of the shop. uh This is your budget. Make it work. So as a producer, I do everything from uh, coming up with the concepts, budgets, timelines, talent hiring, talent liaison, third party, um, building, construction. Um, It's super fucking fun. And nobody, I feel like in my, I mean, like being 24 and leading like projects like this is insane. And I'm super thankful for it. Um, So that's my full time job.
0: Nice, girl. That's amazing. Very proud of you, bitch. Work my pussy out. Uh, so, unfortunately, this is all the time we had uh, together with the lovely Paulina. So, thank you so much, baby, for coming and being my guest. This was long overdue, actually. Uh, and if you want to follow Paulina, you can follow her on Instagram under Queen." And please do. She's fucking sick. What are your other uh, social media accounts that people can follow you on? just Instagram Instagram okay work yes God Saved the Queen and you can follow Quintessentially Queer on Facebook under Quintessentially Queer on Facebook so thank you for tuning in to another episode (laughs) and we will close off with Alien Boy by Oliver Tree thanks baby so much
3: From a hundred miles away and somehow I still make it work But it's overrated and somehow played out The door's down so you can't ignore it I'll hunt you down like a Tyrannosaurus My teeth are sharp like a grey white shark Let me taste that flesh, it's my favorite part Got an eagle beak with the eye Seven spider eyes for every day of the week Means I'm still up working while your bitch ass sleeps I'm an alien among the human beings